Blue Wire. The Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offense Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray. This year's most valuable player, Lamar Jackson. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. He is Houdini. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs are Super Bowl champions here in Miami. The Savage Pass Podcast, presented by Clutch Points and our friends at Blue Wire. I am your host, Blake Level. With me once again is uh, my co-host, Dylan Reagan, back here after our short little uh, mini vacation, which was an actual vacation uh, for Dylan. And uh, of course, Dylan, as we teased on the previous episode, we had a feeling that uh, there was going to be a big trade made, and we thought that it was probably going to involve Julio Jones. And turns out we were right. Um, and now, I guess uh, I am the one that is sort of put on the spot here where I don't know that I can sit back and just dog the Titans anymore because um, <laughs> the Titans, as we know, for long-time listeners, uh, they're the team that I've always kind of been up and down on. You never really know. Are they going to do this? Are they going to do that? Do I trust them? Uh, well, I, I trust them a little bit now just for actually being able to pull off this trade and to get Julio uh, to Nashville. But um, still, it's um, it's interesting because I think it certainly changes – the way we look at, at where things stand for the Titans, it certainly changes the way we look at where the Falcons are. Um, and, yeah, there's just a lot to, to kind of digest uh, from this trade. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as we kind of talked about last time, was not surprised that Julio was traded shortly after. That was kind of our biggest takeaway. I didn't know exactly where he'd be, but I felt like it just seemed like everything was moving towards him being moved way before Aaron. Well, you know, it's a whole different ballgame with what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. But, as I kind of talked about last time, obviously anyone would love to have Julio Jones. I just did not see the Titans with the cap space they had being the team that I thought would be able to pull off a deal. I think it kind of ended up coming down to, you know, what was actually offered being a lot lower than I anticipated. Uh, you know, initially, we never know what the rumors who are, who are leaking these kind of things, but it seemed like a first-round pick was going to be involved. That was not the case ultimately here so through some other teams that i'm surprised didn't make a trade if it was for that kind of package i I feel like a lot of teams would have been interested but like you said props to the titans to make the move they're going to be you know if you don't care about the result of the game really really exciting team because i mean they're not sure what to expect from their defense but their offense was really already really good (laughs) it should be even better now um a team that finished fourth in dvoa on offense a year ago uh, one of the most balanced offenses in the NFL, fourth in past uh, DVOA, second in rush DVOA. I mean, man, it's it's going to be a, an exciting product. I, I hope they figure it out on the other side of the ball because even if they're if they, even if they tick up from you know being in the bottom four teams, which they were a year ago in, in defense, just to being middle of the pack, they should you know at least in my mind be the favorite in this division. Yeah, I was going to say uh, we talk about how it changes things for both teams involved in the trade, but. I do think it, it, it changes my outlook on the, the division itself because, as we, we did talk about, I mean, you just you didn't really know. Like, you don't we, – we've said plenty about the Texans um, and expecting them <laughs> to be, you know, not just the worst team in the division but potentially the worst team in the NFL. Um, and then, you know, the Jags, you feel like there's a lot of buzz around the Jags, but how quickly can they turn that into, you know, a team that's going to actually win the division and compete – you know, for a playoff spot, those types of things, we're not sure yet. And I think it's probably wait and see on them. And it really just came down to the Titans and the Colts. And 
I mean, there there are certainly question marks for the Colts that we'll talk about as we yeah. go throughout the offseason. And I think the Titans address one of their biggest sort of spots. Yes, they have A.J. Brown, but, you know, not bringing back Corey Davis. And you just you looked around. We knew John Smith with the Patriots. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was one where, I mean, here's the thing. And it's so interesting to think about. The one thing we've always talked about with the Titans, like there's been a common theme, whether it was Jeff Fisher, um, any of the coaches that, that have come along since then. But it's like, it's always been about running backs for the Titans. <laughs> and it's just, it's never really been about receivers. Like, it's very crazy to think, like, when you go back at all the receivers the Titans have brought in, yes, like there are guys who have sort of developed into star players, but... I don't know, you know, how many times have we attached a name like Julio Jones, you know, the <laughs> Titans receivers? Like, I mean, you go back over the years, and again, this is not taken away from guys who came in and they made splash signings. You know, yes, they signed Carl Pickens and Randy Moss and guys <laughs> like that, but like completely different situation to me because you're not, I think in Julio, you're not looking at a guy who is just completely, you know, sort of in, in a part of his career where he's hanging on trying to stay in the NFL. He's still just an absolute stud. Um, and and I just don't remember the last time the Titans sort of took that approach at receiver. I mean, again, they've had guys who have developed into great receivers in the NFL. Derek Mason, Kevin Dyson, like all mm -hmm. those guys. But, like, to me, this is just – this is one that, as someone who has certainly followed the Titans for a long time – like, this is just one that you don't expect because it's always been a, a franchise that's really focused on its running game and um, right. seemingly, you know, had good quarterbacks. But the wide receivers have always kind of been something that you scratch your head at a little bit. Yeah, you mentioned the two guys that came to mind when you're talking about receivers. I was like, what? Well, okay, like Derek Mason. And then I was like, yeah, Kevin Dyson, I guess. <laughs> you pretty much maybe like Kenny Britt. I'm, I'm yeah. trying to, but those are all guys they drafted, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, yep. whereas obviously this is a – just in general, Julio Jones is a whole different ballgame, let alone a guy with, uh, you know, the fact that they didn't draft this guy. You have A.J. Brown, who knows, you know, another guy they drafted, who knows by the end of his career what his numbers will look like. But to actually go out and make that splash kind of addition here, when you already have that, you know, like you're saying, it's a running back kind of historically, going from Eddie George to now Derrick Henry, two, two all-timers really already for what Derrick Henry's been able to do. And now you add in Julio to that mix with their offensive line. Still, maybe not as as strong as I thought it was a couple of years ago, but still, still, I still think of it as a as a top like ten offensive line. So, man, yeah, they have all the weapons. You know, obviously, Arthur Smith is gone, but they have all the all the ammunition now. And especially with Julio, like you're saying, it's not like this guy. I know he's you know in his early 30s, and a lot of receivers might start falling off at this point. But there's no reason from what we've seen to believe that will be the case, especially in 2021. Probably not even. For a couple more years, he just is a different dude. He's one of the best receivers of all time, and it's going to be, yeah, I mean, there's Titans fans should be really excited, not trying to damper it too much by thinking about the defense, but I, I just feel like they are going to be, if you don't if you don't care so much about the result, or if, even if you're a Titans fan, but you're like, hey, I just want to watch really exciting games, that's probably going to be exactly what the case is, and that's not something we always say about our, our favorite division here in the AFC South. A lot of times we're <laughs> making, yeah. uh, not necessarily fun of it, but it is a division that's not exactly heralded across the NFL as one of the premier in terms of just its history and all those kind of things. But uh, yeah, it should be, like you said, the Colts, uh, we'll talk probably another podcast about this. They do have a lot of concerns, mostly at under center. If I felt really confident in what was happening under center or even a bit more, uh, you know, if, a, if the floor was a little higher, I might still be more bullish on them. I still, you know, I, last year felt, I mean, they, 
were really close to advancing to the playoffs with Philip Rivers being what he was at that point in his career. Uh, obviously, that's the most important position to figure out, though. So maybe the Titans have more holes in their overall roster than the Colts, but um, I, there's there's a reason to be really excited about this offense. Could be one of the best offenses in the NFL as it has been, should be again, and just need that defense to be a bit better. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think they put themselves in that conversation, you know, with some of these other teams if the defense comes along, and that's still the big question mark uh, at this point. I mean, we know they've made additions in the off season, Bud Dupree and. Um, you know, they drafted Caleb Farley and such, but there are still there's still some things they got to work out yeah. on the defensive side. So we'll see uh, if that comes along for the Titans. Meanwhile, the Falcons, um, <laughs> I mean, we've always kind of talked about the Falcons over the years. I mean, it's just kind of since the Super Bowl. And, you know, that's that's the one point everybody just goes back to. And, and you feel like that things have just never been the same for the franchise since that point. Um, and that's what we said. I mean, they, you know, there've been coaching changes. The defense has been horrible. Um, the, the one constant has really been Julio Jones. When you think about it, I mean, I mean, Matt Ryan's been there too, but mm-hmm. he's been up and down. Um, I don't know that all of that's Matt Ryan's fault necessarily, because again, when the defense puts that much pressure on you, there's only so much you can do. Uh, but like, there's one constant that you've had with the Falcons for all these years now. And seemingly someone that has kept them, you know, in the conversation to at least win some games. Um, now he's gone. And um, that, that changes the dynamic for the Falcons. And, you know, when you look at that division, um, that's, that's one where we, we talked about it. It's, it's interesting to kind of look at that NFC South, you know, the Bucks are still the team to beat kind of changing of the guard. Now with the saints, you don't really know what that's going to look like moving forward. The Panthers, same situation where there's a mm-hmm. lot of change there. And there's a lot of change with the Falcons, so it's like that's a that's a pretty unpredictable division outside of the top the team at the top there with the Bucks. Yeah, absolutely. And for the Falcons, I think the, the main takeaway is that you have this guy that's a Hall of Famer who's going to go in with his bus with the with the Falcons, but he, you get a second round pick for him. It's just crazy. I mean, Muhammad Sanu they got a second round pick for, if I don't really yeah. recall correctly, which is that's also a, you know Patriots man. Just if they could take that back and make this <laughs> trade. I don't know if the if the Falcons would have been willing to give the team that beat them in the Super Bowl Julio, but nonetheless, uh, yeah. In terms of Matt Ryan and this offense, like you said, he's been the one constant. And I mean, they they were fourth in in rush offense and in 2016 uh, with Kyle Shanahan, one of the better play callers. That you know, especially with his running play designs to really help his quarterbacks. Uh, the team was just in a different place, as you said. Their offensive line has been bad, but their running game just been abysmal. On top of that. Uh, in the years since Kyle Shanahan left for the Niners job. So there's there's issues there, but there's other issues with that team. I mean, they had good offenses still some of these years, and, you know, they just didn't really have a good defense. And a team now, like you said, in uh, in transition, and now you don't have Julio. And maybe there was more reason to be excited when you thought of, okay, we got Julio and Calvin Ridley, and we're throwing Kyle Pitts into this mix. This is another team that would be exciting. We knew there was going to be the issues with the cap. It's been discussed since – you know, early in the off season, the, the Falcons felt like they had to make this move. It's just, it just feels a little disappointing, I guess, at the end of it all, that this is all that they end up getting. And and now you you look at what is this year? I mean, you really better hope that Arthur Smith can do what he did with uh, the offense in Tennessee and how he was able to make Tannehill and what he is and, and try to really rediscover some sort of balance uh, to the Falcons' offense um, that just has not been there. Uh, their defense last year ended up being kind of surprising. We, we thought they were going to be one of the worst defenses or at least in the bottom quarter of the NFL they finished 14th in DVOA obviously the man that's responsible for that uh, now gone uh, as the Rams defensive coordinator so it's it's a 
it's an interesting – Falcons, like you said, I mean, the Bucks are clearly the top team in that division. I don't think we're, we're talking about the Falcons possibly as a, as a division winner, but even even in the wild card mix and the NFC, not, not as strong in my opinion as the AFC. I don't know. I, I, they're, they're a team that's just – I don't know. I, I hope they don't get just stuck in the middle. Did they Should they have moved on from Matt Ryan at this point? I don't know if that's exactly fair from what all the different circumstances around what he's been able to do. Obviously, when you get a, a guy like Kyle Pitts, it's hard to pass on that kind of talent. But it might just be it might just be a year where maybe next year is when the Falcons are looking at the quarterback position, not necessarily because Matt Ryan's done after one more season, but because they do eventually need to have a long-term solution there. And it doesn't exactly look like a roster that's ready to win now. If it is ready to win now, what is the peak? Like, what is the, the, the top that you expect? Is it, is it making the playoffs? I, that That's not the ultimate goal at the end of, the, of everything. Uh, but it's just a natural, you know, it is what it is. They <laughs> made the Super Bowl. There's these, a lot of teams never have made the Super Bowl, let alone in the last 20 years. And the NFL doesn't, it's really hard to keep that, the roster with all the turnover there is and all the different things, the injuries and just the time spans of careers. So it's just the natural course of the NFL. It's, it's just probably time the Falcons, instead of just kind of holding on to this past era, maybe it is a sign now with Julio gone that they're starting to move forward into this next era of Falcons football. Poor Arthur Smith. He leaves the Titans as offensive <laughs> coordinator to um, to be able to work with someone like Julio Jones and the Falcons. And what do the Falcons do? They trade Julio to the Titans. Um, just <laughs> pure uh, revenge there, I guess. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, it's not ideal um, for for the Falcons at all. I mean, if you look at their their wide receiver group, which, like you said, they do have Kyle Pitts, and the expectation is that he's going to come in right away and you know be a stud. But yeah. if you look at their receiving group, like we know Calvin Ridley, and then it's Russell Gage. Christian Blake, Cordero Patterson, um, yeah. and so forth. Like that's that's much different in terms of um, taking attention away with someone like Julio Jones. Um, yeah. And so you know that now turns to Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts uh, and that that duo there. So I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens w- with that offense. But like we said, it's it's one thing to have to worry about the offense now, in addition to the defense. Uh, which you know we we still don't know what the defense is going to look like, even though they they've made some additions there. We're still not completely sure, um, mm-hmm. you know, if the defense is going to be to the level that it needs to be for them to to actually compete and and win games uh, regularly. So it'll it'll be tough to do in that division uh, for sure. But uh, I guess Dylan, now uh, we we can turn our attention to the one other common theme we've had throughout this off season. And that is uh, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, apparently, um, there's still a dispute there with uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, in case you hadn't heard at this point. Um, not knowing what the situation is going to be with uh, him and what it looks like. Uh, I know there's been, you know, lots of stories done where, you know, once you get the team back out there and you start doing interviews and you get Jordan Love speaking and, um, you know, there, there's lots of comments and thoughts and, hey, Jordan Love's ready. He's ready to start if need be. Um, but what else do you expect him to say uh, if he's put in that position uh, to actually be the starter? But, I mean, still, we're in wait-and-see mode. I don't know if there's a ton to go off of just based on where things stand right now. But this is the one thing now after the Julio Jones trade uh, that we are just, you know, we sit back, we wait to see what happens because it will, you know, it will – much more than the extent of Julio Jones leaving the Falcons, which was a very huge development um, for yeah. the Falcons and the Titans. But the Aaron Rodgers, uh, if he leaves, if he doesn't leave, <laughs> that's uh, that's even more significant in terms of uh, the, the future of the Packers. Yeah, it's just a whole different tier of 
uh, obviously the the position that we're talking about, uh, the, the franchise we're talking about, and its place in NFL history, the player himself. Like it's just all yeah. It's not really as much as Julio's the all-time receiver. This is just a different kind of sphere of you know <laughs> conversation and yeah. and change and what it really can mean for NFL history. Um, I yeah. It's the, the Mark Murphy comments were strange for sure. I kind of was uh, first just was like, is this, I thought it was like a meme. Uh, <laughs> like when it, when it came out the thing where he just said he's a complicated fella. And I was like, this, this feels like it's something that's fake. Um, but apparently it's not. Um, I, I know that Mark Murphy's not, you know, he's the president and CEO of the Packers. He's not the, you know, he's not what Ted Thompson was or Peter DeCunis. He was, he's not really a, a guy working in the football operations part of everything the same way. But it's still a very weird, weird situation. I mean, yeah, for Jordan Love, I, you know, obviously last year with abbreviated offseason, all those things, I, it just feels like, and even last year, he didn't really get a ton of reps with anyone. Uh, now he's just, at least they're starting at this point. They're able to get these these opportunities, although obviously not everyone's been reporting <laughs> from the Packers yeah. to, to, to get to grow that kind of chemistry. It just puts Jordan Love in a, in a really tough spot that, it just feels like, uh, you know, we've kind of talked about this, but like if they, and Aaron kind of said this when he uh, spoke about it, uh, his only really major public comments a few weeks back uh, on ESPN, uh, just about like, you know, having kind of that conversation and more of a actual dialogue there instead of just making moves w- without really any input from him. Uh, as he, as he said, it's not about Jordan Love and any of his teammates and those kind of things. It just feels like they probably, you know, could have even drafted Jordan Love and handled this in a different way. It's just the people involved right now, Aaron's mixed up with. Obviously, they feel they're the front office and the and the organization themselves have their own opinion of the situation. It just it just feels like it's at this point again. It just feels like it's going to drag uh, for a while. Like yeah, every time you you have like something like this, ends up kind of calming down as it did the last time we recorded, and probably that'll be the case by next week. And then two weeks from now, there'll be another. Uh, whole thing coming out uh, about you know whether it be an interview that a player gives or one of these organizational figureheads does. So, man, it's yeah for Jordan Love, good luck, I guess, because it's just <laughs> like I you know we can we take the view of it. it's unreal, maybe not fair to expect you know him to step right in there and be you know even with the roster the Packers still have, even though they have such a quality roster in my, in my opinion around whoever's under center it's still too much to expect a lot from him quickly but man it, it might be the case and yeah, obviously like you said it's, it's the story of the offseason and it's going to continue to be it's only we've, we've been at this for a couple months now it's gonna you know since the draft essentially was when it really escalated to another level it wasn't just frustration but actual uh, hoping to move on but it's going to be it's going to be a whole different ball game if if Aaron's on a different team if he stays and he plays and that also becomes super intriguing really there's really I think the only bad scenario would be and this is the same thing anytime anyone gets injured we never want to not see star players on the field I think the only negative if you're if you're uh, just an NFL fan at large is if Aaron sits out and doesn't play we don't see him yeah. in a pack uniform or another uniform that's my my biggest fear I guess is a just an overall fan I, I want to see games with Aaron Rodgers on the field prefer you know whether it's with the Packers probably would <laughs> like to see them run it back again see if they can get some you know vengeance for what happened against Tampa Bay last year maybe conquer those demons see that kind of uh, play out at least with another bout between those teams but if he moves on it'll still be really interesting to see wherever he ends up as I've talked about in our last podcast still feel like the Broncos even if Von Miller 
is perfectly happy with Drew Locke, as he talked about <laughs> the other day. Um, uh, I, I still think uh, they're the one team that, in terms of where Aaron wants to be, a different conference, set up to win. I think that's the one team that I could see him going to. And it's just, how about the, if that if that did happen, how about the Broncos in terms of their, because they I think they didn't technically draft um, John Elway, obviously, because the Colts drafted him and traded him there. So I believe, if I'm not mistaken, still the one quarterback, in, at least in the last like 40 years with the playoff win drafted by the Broncos is Tim Tebow, which is just incredible. <laughs> uh, they continue their great luck of, of other quarterbacks coming in, obviously with Peyton more recently. And then if they get Aaron, man, that would be something in those, that those divisional matchups between the Broncos and Chiefs. And even with Justin Herbert, what he's able to do throwing the ball around, it's going to be a really fun division if that happens. Yeah. You can just imagine the, uh, the setup for that week one game between the Packers and the Saints. If you've got Jordan Love under center for the Packers, Taysom Hill for the Saints. And we think back to a year ago and thinking, man, you've got Rogers breeze. And it's like, well, um, completely different. They could look like there when we start week one uh, of this season, but uh, Dylan, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. And I guess those are the main two things uh, happening right now in the NFL. Not a lot else in terms of, um, you know, noteworthy things. I know the Stefan Gilmore <laughs> one um, is certainly, you know, it's notable in terms of seeing what happens there. But I think we're probably still a ways away from kind of knowing uh, the situation with that. But really elsewhere, not a lot happening uh, right now in the NFL. The calm before, um, you know, we, we start the actual fun part here uh, pretty soon. Yeah, no, excited for things to heat up a little bit because, like, as you mentioned, it's pretty pretty dead at the moment. But the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers situation is providing us entertainment. And uh, it's a good time, I think, as we kind of talked about in pre- last year when we reached this part of the calendar. It's a good time to reflect on overall where these rosters are, where things are going to be are moving forward. And maybe maybe it's a little early for fantasy talk. I don't know. I, don't, there's, <laughs> I know a lot of you it's probably never are starting to, yeah, starting to think a little bit about that. So still plenty of things that we can look at it's good to take advantage of the time when there's less news and more time to actually just dive into the football aspect and things that, you know, obviously things are going to be a lot different from June to when the season starts, but it's, it's fun to begin speculating fun to, as we've looked over the schedule and, and finally, you know, with seeing all the, in the NBA playoffs and baseball and all the crowds being back, it also just can't, can't wait to see like actual <laughs> full crowds of the atmosphere. I mean, the Rams had a, a free practice at SoFi Stadium that I think drew like 15,000 fans or something ridiculous, which, you know, for a, a, just a, a practice. So, and people that were there seemed to, you know, obviously just feeling like there's some sort of normalcy. Very excited for that to, to be coming back in the fall. I think, um, think Ryan Tannehill's fantasy value has gone up any uh, in the past <laughs> couple of weeks. <laughs> I, I, you know, his should have been solid already. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how, you know, I, I still believe, even though, it's interesting for a team that runs the ball as much as the Titans and has such a uh, workhorse like Derrick Henry. You still end up, Tannehill still ends up having pretty solid numbers. You know, maybe he doesn't rush as often as he could. He he still got some decent wheels for yeah. as big of a guy as he is. But I think, yeah, if anything, a little bit of a bump. You, you'd be wary, though. You should be wary of maybe some people giving him too much credit. Maybe by yeah. the time we get to uh, August. Uh, when you're having your fantasy drafts, maybe this will die down a bit and people will be more realistic. But that is something I always try to look at. Like after certain trades, sometimes we overact a bit. I think his actual <laughs> values should be a little higher, but who knows exactly how much. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think Kyle Pitts' value is, um, if you're in a PPR league, um, I, I think he's probably going to see a lot of 
uh, targets just based off of, um, you know, knowing all the pressure outside is going to be on Calvin Ridley. And yeah. Yeah. So Kyle Pitts, I think, is someone that I would, uh, he was already going to be, we, we know the tight end mm-hmm. position. We'll, we'll talk plenty about that when it comes to fantasy. But um, I think he is someone that, that benefits from that just because there could be a lot of situations where he's having to catch 13 or 14 balls a game um, just uh, out of necessity. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, that's, that's all we got for now. I mean, that's uh, we've got Julio with the Titans. We've got Aaron Rodgers speculation and everything else, uh, as we know, will start to pick up here as we uh, go into uh, next month and things, of course, uh, get uh, geared up from there with the uh, preseason minus one game uh, and the regular season mm-hmm. plus one game uh, this year. But, uh, Dylan, we got it all covered over clutch points. NBA playoffs still going on as well. Uh, baseball in full swing, of course, uh, here in the summer months. Uh, let everybody know where they can find all of that. Yeah, you can follow the rest of the NBA playoffs and all MLB games in the Clutch Points app. Still have any news that pops up in the NFL still covered on ClutchPoints.com and in the Clutch Points app and the NFL section on either site. Uh, you can We still have a little bit of draft stuff two months later, almost starting to look at prospects for the next draft. I mean, that's where yeah. we're getting out there. It's uh, But, yeah, overall, football is slower. But if you go to the NFL section, anything we're doing will be highlighted there and excited to yeah get back talking to you guys probably next week. Yep, uh, so check it all out in Clutch Points. And uh, as always, uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, you can just search for Establish the Past. You can find us there. And, uh, yeah, thanks as always for listening uh, to this episode of the podcast. And uh, thanks as always to the fine folks at Blue Bar for all that they do. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.